the week. Now, last week we had Brother Greg Hubbard with us. Um, it was a blessing to have um, Greg and Robin with us, wasn't it? Church, amen. What wonderful times of ministry we had with them. And the one thing we kind of missed a little bit was that it was the third Sunday of the month. And the third Sunday of the month for us here at, at First Assembly is what? Mission Sunday. And so we didn't specifically receive our missions offering and in fact, Kim reminded me of that this morning because she helps make out our tithe check each week. And she said, and Tim, you didn't receive the missions offering last week. So I included it right in our giving for today. And so I just want to encourage you, if you didn't give last week your missions offering, please, you can do so today. You can do so next week. You can send it in. Um, but we need to continue, continue to support and bless our missionaries, um, even through these summer months. And many of them we've been praying for. They're going through some really hard times where they are across the world. And so please remember our missionaries in your giving. Praise the Lord. So um, I'll have to remember to drop mine off on the way out there. <laughs> Praise. Sometimes I get home and it's still in my pocket. That's not good. All right. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn to the small book of the Bible just before the book of Revelation, and it is what book? Anybody know? The book of Jude, right? The book of Jude. Jude is just one chapter. It is only 25 verses long. I heard of one pastor who preached for four months through the book of Jude. I don't know how he did that. I just really don't. I'm just going to bring one message this morning from just one piece of the book of Jude. And I want to read for us verses 17 through 21. And I want to bring to us a message entitled, you saw it on the, on the screen here just a, a moment ago. It says, remaining in God's love, or maybe it should be a command, actually, as we'll see, remain in God's love. Remain in God's love. Reading from verse 17, where Jude writes to the church, but dear friends, remember that the apostles of our, excuse me, what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait or as you are waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Father, we thank you for your word, and I pray that you would use it to speak to us, to challenge us, to instruct us today. Bless both the preaching and the hearing of your word to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, today we live in a, in a, in a day in which the church, I'm talking about the church in general, in which in, 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 in our church world that we have, wherein right doctrine and orthodox teaching has for the most part been downplayed. And thus, all kinds of teachings have crept into the church. For we've become enamored with teaching and preaching that makes us feel good by feeding into our natural instincts more than that which reveals the truth of God. You know what I mean? Come on, name it and claim it, and you can have health and wealth and prosperity and all those things. 
right? They feed into our natural instincts rather than reveal the truth of God, the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of his call upon our lives. And we want experiences, especially in, in, in Pentecostal and charismatic circles. We want experiences, spiritual goosebumps, more than we want the truth of God's word. And we live in a time when people want to hear what they want to hear. The Bible says that there will be a time when, 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 when people want their itching ears tickled, as it were. And not only that, but as we look at our world, at our nation, at the culture in which we live, we can't help but take note of the fact that things are becoming more and more difficult for those who call themselves followers of Jesus. Our world is filled with, as, as James writes here, our world is filled with scoffers. We know that things that were once called evil are now called good and vice versa. And on many levels, our culture has lost its way and opposes any who would try to point them back to the right way. We're living in a time in which our faith and our belief system is being challenged at every turn, where respect for the standards and principles of God's word have been, well, we might say totally lost. And sometimes as we share God's word and we share God's standards, right, people look at us like, well, we have two or three heads, don't they? Right? Like, where did you come from? And I don't need to get into lots of detail. You know what I mean. And thus we need to hear Jude's words to us more than ever before. And we are going to have to, as he, as he says in verse 3 here of his, of his short book, we're going to have to contend for the faith that is putting forth great effort if we're going to keep ourselves in the love of God. That is, if we're going to remain in God's love, if we're going to remain faithful to Christ. See, although we're not going to dive into Jude's letter as a whole, we need to understand that Jude wrote his letter out of concern for the fact that false teachers were filtering into the church, bringing in teachings and philosophies that had the potential to lead the believers astray. And thus Jude spends much time in his short letter describing these teachers and the judgment that one day will, will, will come upon them from God. In fact, in verse 4, he writes this, For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And you go to verse 12, right? He, he talks about these people in such, like, like just really harsh um, terms. He talks about shepherds who feed themselves only and clouds without rain, blown by the wind and being, being like um, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted and wild waves on the sea. I mean, he's describing these, the, the, these people who bring these teachings and these philosophies that have the potential the potential to lead God's people away from him. But Jude's purpose, you see, was not merely to describe false teachers, but to make sure that the believers would not give in to their false teachings. And thus he wrote, again, verse 3, he says, I found it necessary to write appealing to you. I'm pleading with you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. 
So Jude was calling the believers to fight for their faith, to fight against anything that opposed the truth of the gospel, to enter into the struggle against anyone in anything that would divert from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And notice, he's not talking about some kind of socio-political agenda or anything like that, but he's talking about standing for the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And that salvation comes through him and that God has called us to live our lives in a certain way. And when we get to verse 20, you see Jude moves away from his warnings and the descriptions of these false teaching to give some instructions to the saints. How many of us here are saints today? Come on, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're a saint. Did you know that? You're a holy one. And he, he gives some instructions in just a few words. He instructs the believers as to what they must do if they're going to fight off false teachers and false teachings and remain in the truth. And in the in the words that we just read, verses 20 through 21 here. There's one command, one imperative, it's called. Just one. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God, you know. A lot of times when I'm praying, I'm praying, even this morning I did it, as I was praying before service, God, keep me in your love. I want to be surrounded by your love. I'm not saying it's a terrible prayer, right? But the Holy Spirit checked me because I've been studying the word here. And it was like the word came back to my mind where, where, where God says, no, 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 you keep yourself in my love. Because here's the thing. God's love is always there, is it not? It's not like God, like, like plays hide and seek with us and he runs and says, now you got to come find my love, you know, or, you know, you know, well, today I'm going to love you and tomorrow I'm not going to love you, you know, and God, no, no, keep me in your love. Keep me in your love. He's like, my love is always here. It's like this vast ocean, right? And it's up to you to do what you must to keep yourself where you're surrounded by my love. Keep yourselves. Guard yourselves, he's saying. Watch yourselves. Put forth the effort necessary. Be vigilant. Keep yourselves. And notice, in the love of God. And I thought to myself, now this is interesting. Jude doesn't say, keep yourselves in the right doctrine. Make sure you're able to quote the creeds or the 16 fundamentals of faith of the assemblies of God. He doesn't tell us to keep ourselves in the right church or to keep ourselves under the right pastor or teacher. As important as those things are, you see, that wasn't Jude's goal. That's not what he sets before us. That's not his command. For as much as Jude was concerned with right doctrine, he knew the goal wasn't to have a bunch of church kids who could recite scriptures and doctrinal creeds. His purpose went deeper than that. The goal, you see, is put forth by the Apostle Jude as the, as, was that the believers then and you and I now would continually live our lives in the love of God, constantly knowing the love of God, living according to the love of God. One person wrote, cultivating a love relationship with God through Christ, connected to God at all times through faith in Christ. I think it's similar to what Jesus says when Jesus teaches us the importance of abiding in the vine. For when we abide in the vine in Christ, we can do all things. We can see our prayers answered. We experience the very life of Christ. Outside of Christ, none of it is ours. 
And listen, the vine is always there. It's not like the vine goes somewhere else. The vine is there. But he says, abide in me. Abide in me. Or the Apostle Paul speaks over and over again about being in Christ. For in Christ, he says, we're new creations. In, in Christ, we have victory over sin. In Christ, all the spiritual blessings are ours. Outside of Christ, we have and are nothing. You see, Jude is calling us to make sure we live our lives in Christ, abiding in the vine, in a constant love relationship with God, our Heavenly Father, through Christ Jesus, our Lord. He's calling us to do all we must to make sure that we remain in Him, that we remain in His love by being faithful to Him. And I believe that the Apostle Jude, he would say to us today, listen, church, I believe he would say to us, listen, as you face all that's happening in your world, as you find yourself faced with more and more false teaching and ungodly philosophies, for truly, there are lots and lots of scoffers, both inside and outside the church. But he says, as you face all of that, keep yourself in the love of God. Guard yourself. Keep watch over yourselves. Make sure you're putting forth all all the effort needed to keep yourself abiding in the vine, remaining in Christ, in the love of God. For again, God's love is always there. He's always available, but it's up to us to make sure that we keep ourselves in that ocean of love. How many of you have been to the beach lately? I was there. Yes, I know. Some of us live in Monmouth County, and we haven't been to the beach in 26 years. That is an absolute sin. I want to tell you that. That is not right. I told that to Greg and Rob. We took Greg and Robin Hubbard to the beach last Saturday morning. Right? He said, you guys are so blessed to have, like, all of this right here in your backyard. And I said, yeah, there's people at First Assembly that just ignore it all. They say, oh, I don't like sand. He's like, no, cast them out of the church. But there's that ocean. And sometimes it takes effort not to be thrown up to the shore. You know what I mean? Keep yourself in the love of God. How do we do that? And you know, Jude is, is so good. He tells us exactly what we need to do. He uses three participles, they're called, or three like active verbs, action words. And first, he's, first word he uses is building. Building. Building yourselves up, he says, in your most holy faith. Is keep yourselves in the love of God. How? By building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Listen, when he speaks about the most holy faith, Jude is referring to the things that we as Christians believe. They are the truths that have been passed down to us from the apostles through the scriptures. In other words, we don't just believe anything and everything that comes down the pipe, whether from the Internet, a university classroom, a talk show, a so-called gospel show, a well-known Bible teacher or preacher. They can be very dangerous sometimes. You know that. Not all of them, but we need to be careful. And rather, we are called to hold on to that which, when it comes to truth, is separate. It's different from all other ideologies, from all other philosophies. It is holy, your holy faith. Why? Because it is the only message that's able to lead to the salvation of God. The only message. And so he says, listen, building yourselves in your most holy faith, in a sense, Jude is calling us to come to the scriptures, that which has been passed down to us, to read and to study the scriptures, for it's only by doing so that we build ourselves up. As we get stronger and stronger in our faith and in our relationship with God 
and in our knowledge of the truth as we build ourselves up in our most holy faith. That which has been passed down to us from the apostles, that which we know reveals to us the truth of who God is and the way of salvation. Listen, many believers today, they're weak in their faith. Why? Because they've not immersed themselves in the scriptures. Oh, they might read a little devotional book here and there. They might read a couple of lines here and there or wait till their app sends them the verse of the day. I get mine every day at like 542 in the evening. The verse of the day. And I love it. But that's not enough to build yourself up in your most holy faith. You know, I most of you know that I go to the gym pretty regularly and even like especially now coming out of this whole back thing and trying to get myself back in action. And, you know, there are a lot of guys there who are building themselves up. You know what I mean? I mean, sometimes I walk in the locker room and there's this like young Jack guy and he's standing in the mirror doing his posing for like, I don't know how long, you know, I want to say, I want to say to the guy, so is it working? You know? (laughs) I'm afraid he's going to, like, slug me, you know? (laughs) But they're building themselves. They're building up their bodies, right? And how do they do that? They put to use that which is there, that which the gym makes available to them. You know what I mean? All the weights that are there, the machines and the free weights and the kettlebells and the dumbbells, all those things. And listen, a guy could come into the gym and say, I want to build myself up, but if he doesn't get a hold of those weights, he's not going anywhere. And such is the case for us as Christians without taking hold of the weights, the word of God, we will remain weak in our faith. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote in Acts 20, verse 32, Acts 20, verse 32. That's the next next scripture there, Nancy. Thank you. Acts 20, verse 32. And now I commend you, he says, to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Nancy, can we have the next slide there? I want to read that again for us. Thank you. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And what's interesting about the word that Jude uses for building, like we get the concept, but But he uses a very special word. And the word there speaks about not just building in some haphazard way, but building according to the plan. Building appropriately, doing it right. It's like following the plans given by an architect. Right? The architect gives a plan, and he expects that the builders and the engineers follow those plans. You see, in other words, we don't build our lives and our faith just any way we like but rather we do so according to the plan, that which has been given to us by God himself. And that's why Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 that all Scripture is God-breathed. It's breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Do you want to be complete, church? Do you want to be equipped for every good work? Well, then, if so, you need the Scripture. You need the Bible. Listen, we live in a culture, we know this, we live in a culture that is, for the most part, biblically illiterate. I have watched Jeopardy contestants. Anybody like Jeopardy? I've watched Jeopardy contestants who know, like, everything there is to be known 
facts and figures and all kinds of stuff. And they're asked a question from the Bible that our Sunday school kids would be able to answer. And they're stumped. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. Like, like years ago, this would have just been common knowledge. Our culture is, for the most part, biblically illiterate. But listen, church, it's not only in the world, but it's in the church. And so many people who come up, in, who come into our churches, who even grow up in our churches, don't even know the basics of Scripture. But I want to tell us this morning, if we're going to survive in our faith as followers of Jesus in the day and age in which we live, in the midst of all kinds of teachings and philosophies that are swirling around us, we are going to have to be strong in our most holy faith. And that means continually working to build ourselves up by taking hold of the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, reading it, studying it, learning it, and applying it. Okay, so I'm going to give us just a little side advertisement here. I hope you don't mind. Right? This fall, we are going back, and we're making plans now to start again our Sunday classes for our children, for our teens, for our adults. And the program, are you happy about that? Or are you like, oh, no, pastor's making me come an hour earlier to church, right? For the adults, right, for the kids, for the teens, now we will have some other options for adults. But listen, listen, the assemblies of God recognize the biblical illiteracy both in our culture and in our church and came out with a tremendous program called the Bible Engagement Project. On any particular Sunday, the children, both in kids' church and Sunday school, the teens and adults, both in English and Spanish, will be studying the very same portion of Scripture. And the first year is going to take us from Genesis to Revelation. Why? Because we need to build ourselves up in our most holy faith by getting a hold of that which God has given to us to make us strong. Amen, church? Listen, we need the word of God more than ever before. We need to dive in more than ever before. I want to challenge you. Listen, we're even going to, we're going to try to offer a class even during the week online for those who can't make it on a Sunday morning. But I'm, I'm praying, I'm expecting that we have just about all of our congregation involved, that parents, you're going to get your kids out, Right, So they can be built up in their most holy faith. So building is the first word there, the first, first um, action that he gives to us. Building, the second is this, praying. Praying. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Listen, church, we're never going to make it as Christians within the kind of world in which we live without prayer. It's, for, it's as we pray that we enter into the presence of God. It's through prayer that we develop our relationship with God. It's through prayer that we express our needs to God. It's through prayer that we see our needs met and even the miraculous take place. I'm, I'm praying and expecting that we're going to hear great testimonies for our time of prayer out of our time of prayer this morning. Amen? Without prayer, God becomes a distant God. Our relationship with him begins to wither. Our spiritual lives become dry and begin to die, and we become susceptible to every wind of doctrine and philosophy of the world. It's no wonder the Apostle Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. 
That is, our lives ought to be lives of constant communication with God. It's not just about the prayer closet or some time spent at an altar as much as we need those times, but rather even when we step away from our time of prayer, we are yet praying for we continually speak to the one who has promised to always be with us. We continually speak to him. You know what that does? It makes us conscious of God at all times. As we talk to him, we communicate to him in the supermarket, at our workplace, right? Wherever we are. And notice he says, praying in the Holy Spirit. So it's active, constantly praying, 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 praying in the Holy Spirit. That is, Jude is speaking about praying prayers that flow out of a life that's saturated with the Holy Spirit. A life that knows what it means to be born of the Spirit, led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. This may include praying in other tongues, but it's not, not just about praying in other tongues. But rather, it's allowing ourselves to be led by God's Spirit. In such a way that during our times of prayer, we are praying according to the will of God. We are praying spirit-saturated prayers. Spirit-saturated prayers. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. For the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And then he goes on a little later to say this, that likewise the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray as we ought. Sometimes we think we know what to pray. But he says you don't know. You do not know, we do not know what to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You see, it's the Holy Spirit who helps us in our prayer, especially when maybe our prayers are going off. We don't know what to pray. We don't know how to pray. The Holy Spirit brings to us a sense of the nearness of God. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us confidence to trust God so that we can call out to him, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit helps us align our prayers with the very will of God. Listen, church, if we're going to keep ourselves in the love of God, abiding in Christ, especially in the day in which we live, we're going to need to learn more than ever before what it means to communicate with God through his Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit, praying spirit-saturated prayers. For we will need the help of God, will we not? We're going to need the presence of God alive in our lives. We're going to need the power and the anointing of God. And all of that comes through prayer. Listen, I challenge us this morning to make prayer both personally, privately, and corporately a priority in our lives in this coming year. Listen, some people say, does that mean like, like I, I can't pray an hour a day and so they don't pray? You know, I can't get up at like 4 o'clock in the morning and pray, you know, an hour a day. Listen, take the monkey off your back, okay? And the expectations that other people have put on you that then discourage you. And just find those times every week on a consistent basis where you know you can set aside some time to pray, to speak to God. It might be every day for 10 minutes. It might be, it might be three times a week for a half hour. And then when the church is open and we're coming together and we're going to have, have Wednesday night prayers, prayer times, you know, we're going to come. Because we know it's not just about praying alone, but we see in the scripture God's people praying together, right? And we make it a priority because we know we're not going to survive in this world without prayer. 
remaining in God's love, building ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And then finally, he says, and waiting, building, praying, waiting, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the word that Jude uses for waiting, and notice it's active. It's not like you wait one day and it's done. No, it's continual, continually building, continually praying, continually waiting. And the word that Jude uses speaks about looking ahead filled with hope and expectation. He's calling the believers to set their sights ahead, to be constantly looking up for the arrival of Jesus Christ, their Savior. You see, waiting in the Bible, it's not passive. It's not just sitting around, just waiting for something to happen. Well, I hope things get better. Well, I hope those people get, like, unelected or whatever. Oh, I hope our culture just turns to a better way and we just wait. No, no, no. Waiting is not just sitting around waiting for something to happen, but it is active. For as we wait, we prepare ourselves for his return. We get the house ready for the ultimate guest who's about to arrive. We keep peeking out the window to see if the car has pulled up. Anybody do that? I do that. Are the kids here yet? Is my grandson here yet? Where is Jesse? Anyway, he's in the, he's in the nursery there. Wow. Cool. Yeah. I know we're going to be together this week, right? We make sure the meal is on the stove or in the oven. It's going to be ready. We do all we must to make sure that we are ready for the day of our Lord's arrival because we don't want to be caught off guard. We're waiting, waiting for what he says, the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. For it's when Jesus returns that we who are ready will experience the mercy of God that then opens the door to salvation and eternal life. You see, we, we're supposed to come under judgment, but we put our faith in Jesus and we're looking for him and we're, we're preparing ourselves. And guess what? When we do that, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Aren't you glad for that today? But listen, ultimately, it's all about focus. What are we focused on? What's our goal? What are we moving towards? What are we looking for? Listen, the Bible shows us our world is going to spin out of control deeper and deeper into sin, becoming filled with violence and wars and rumors of wars. And, you know, as much as we're going to do our part as believers to, to, to bless and to, and to help others come to know the truth of Jesus Christ, the Bible shows we're never going to turn our world completely around. There's no such thing as kingdom now theology. We make the world better, and then Jesus comes. Jesus comes when things are getting worse and worse, and even in the church, there's a great falling away, we're told. But in the midst of that, we as believers, we don't despair. We don't panic. We don't grumble. We don't complain. Nor do we get sucked into the sin or the false teachings and philosophies that surround us, but rather we look up. We look up because we know that our redemption draws near. Our focus is not on this world. Our focus is on the heavens as we actively await the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we await his return, we do all that we can to prepare ourselves for that day. Why? Because we want to make sure when he comes back, he finds us living in that ocean 
and that mercy will triumph over judgment. And so we keep ourselves in the love of God, connected to the vine, living in Christ as we set our eyes upward and forward, focus on the day of our Lord's return. And so we pray over and over again, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Building, praying, waiting. Listen, church, we know it. The days in which we live are difficult and will most likely become more difficult for those who call themselves followers of Jesus. And listen, you know, I am not a doomsday preacher. You know that, right? But we do know the danger is very real. Not the danger that, oh, the world's going to get, you know, America's going to get worse. No. The danger is very real for believers to begin to throw in the towel on their faith to be led astray, to be sucked in by teachings, the teachings and philosophies of this world. One pastor just said to me this week, one of our local pastors, he said, you know, a few years ago I heard someone say, I heard another preacher say, I wonder how American Christians will stand under persecution. I wonder how they'll do that. And now, the pastor's saying, you know what? Stand under persecution, we couldn't even stand under a virus. We're not talking about, oh, we shouldn't have closed our churches or anything like that. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about where people are at in their walk with Christ today, having come through and out of this pandemic. During the time, do we just get so comfortable that we don't know what it means to like read our Bibles and pray and, and connect any longer? minister, to remain in the love of God? Come on, church, what's happened to us? Listen, I love you guys online. You know, and some of you, you need to be online, and that's, you know, that's a blessing. We're glad to do that for you. But some of us need to get out of our pajamas, like Greg said last week, and be part of the fellowship of the believers, and come and grow together. Listen, the Lord dropped this into my heart months ago. Kind of like, I don't know, one of those middle-of-the-night things, and that doesn't happen to me a lot because I'm usually sleeping, you know, except when I'm not sleeping, I guess, you know. But in the day and age in which we live, we're going to need to be people of three things, and I, I don't have them on the screen here. People of conviction that is holding tightly to that which we believe, holding tightly to this gospel message. We need to know what we believe, church. People of conviction. We're going to need to be people of, of consistency. That is, if we're ever going to make an impact on anyone else's life, if we're ever going to make any kind of impact on the culture around us, they need to see us living out the truths of God's Word in a consistent manner. Not saying, oh, we believe in family values, and then our families are in turmoil, and we end up in all kinds of situations, I don't want to go there. It's all happening too much in the church. Conviction, consistency, and courage. But like the saints of old, we will need courage to stand for Christ, to live for Christ. When the tide against us is getting stronger and stronger, it's going to take courage to say, no, I'm sorry, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. But I believe there's a God in heaven who's called us to serve him, to love him. He's shown to us 
the way of salvation through Christ our Lord. Listen, Jude's words are as appropriate for us today as they ever were. Do all you can to keep yourselves in the love of God. Guard your walk with God. Remain in Christ. Abide in Christ. How? By building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, and waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Jude, he ends this, ends his book, just skipping down a few verses. He ends with these words, I think, to kind of encourage us, because right now we're feeling kind of overwhelmed, right? He says this, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. And I kind of sense sense the word of God saying to us, listen, you do your part and God's going to do his part because he's a great God. He doesn't want to just let you go. And yeah, we're going to stumble. We're going to mess up. We're going to forget to pray. We're going to, like, miss the Bible class. You know what I mean? Our eyes are going to get, like, focused on the wrong thing. But God knows our hearts. And he's a great God. And we'll do our part. And to him who's able to keep you and to present you, to him be all the praise. Amen? Amen. Come on, church. Would you stand with me? Come on. Would you stand with me right now? Worship team, would you come? And we want to, we just want to offer ourselves to the Lord right now, the end of this service. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're online and you've never given your life to God through faith in his son, Jesus. He's calling you this morning to come to him. He loves you. He's got an ocean of love for you, an ocean of mercy and grace. He wants to save you. He wants to bless you. You just need to put your faith in him and in all that Jesus has done for you through his life, his death, his resurrection. And others of us this morning, we just need to say, God, today I make a commitment to keep myself in your love. That no matter what happens in my family, no matter what happens in my world, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to live my life abiding in Christ. I'm going to live my life in Christ. No matter what happens. And then I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you with all things. Come on, church, right now, lift your hands to the Lord and just say, God, we trust you this morning. God, we put our hope in you this morning. God, we put our faith in you this morning. God, we look to you today. We look to you today. And we know, God, that there's all kinds of of teachings and philosophies and all kinds of thoughts. And the, the enemy is hard at work. And he wants to cause us to stumble and to fall. He, he wants to create that falling away. But God, today, we say it will not happen in our lives. It will not happen in First Assembly of God. But we are going to live for you as we keep ourselves in the love of God, building ourselves up through the Word of God, praying in the Holy Spirit, and looking